You guys love Pastor Barry. I just, we love, I mean, we talk about that we're passionate for the presence and we're just so thankful for Pastor Barry, really, and uh, and Candy, just really helping to cultivate that here is the church, at the church. Amen? Amen? If I haven't met you yet, my name is Josh. I'm the lead pastor here. My wife, Katie, and I are very blessed to lead this church. Um, it's awesome. Uh, I'm glad anytime Katie can be in here and our kid's not crying and screaming somewhere. So if she gets up, just pray for her, you know, three children, you know, can't stop, won't stop, I guess. Um, <laughs> But really excited. In fact, let, let's do this. I think maybe a great place to start this morning would be to just pray over our kids' ministry. I don't know if you knew this. We have an awesome kids' ministry. It's not child care. It is ministry. And we see lives transformed and, and vision really, really put into kids' lives. And it doesn't matter. Even as a little kid our, and, and a tiny baby, we have people who work in that ministry who, who pray over those babies and prophesy over them and just pray over their life and over their future. So even as an infant, their time is not uh, wasted in kids ministry. It is all precious, precious time. Incredible. To everyone who serves in kids, I want to say thank you. To everyone who tithes uh, to this church and is the reason we can have that ministry, I just want to say thank you. And uh, let, let's begin by just praying over our kids today. Can we do that? Lord God, we thank you this morning uh, for our amazing kids ministry and what a blessing they are. And uh, God, I just pray for those awesome young people uh, right down the hallway here, God, that you would just bless them today, that they would discover more about you than ever before as we're learning about you and hearing from your word in here. God, we thank you that they're hearing from your word in there. And so, God, I pray you would bless them and the kids' leaders, all these awesome leaders in there who are spending their Sunday pouring into the next generation. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. All God's people said... Amen. Let's talk about prayer this morning. We're in a series called Cultivate, and we've been talking about different parts of our life that we begin to cultivate with Christ, and in doing so, we see kind of this deeper sense of majesty and beauty in a relationship with God. It's meant to be a, a, a teaching series that ties in to everything that, that we've been promised, but also releases us from maybe some of the burdens we've been putting on in this walk with Jesus. And sometimes when we come into this walk with Jesus, or maybe even when we've been doing it for a while, we, we, we put on, I don't want to say bad habits, but we get into a rhythm that might not be inspiring a health and a beauty with the Lord. And it's good to just step back and look at what Jesus has taught us, what the Word of God says, what the Spirit is doing, and say, okay, what is this life all about? So if you have never said yes to Jesus, I still want to encourage you, at any moment you come into agreement with this, and you begin to say, okay, wow, that sounds like the kind of freedom in life that I want to have. At any moment in this sermon, you can say, Jesus, I give you my life. I confess my heart before you. I, I confess my sins before you, and I just receive salvation in you at any moment. And if you're like, I'm not going to remember that, that's okay. Just say, Jesus, I need you at any moment. And you're, you're part of that, that beautiful relationship that God's doing. It's so cool. It's so cool. So I want to talk about prayer today. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he gave them a, a pretty nice model of prayer in Matthew 6. So we're going to make that our, our central point here today, uh, where, that we're going to kind of rotate around in, in um, this teaching, is Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 through 13. It's part of a larger 
uh, discussion that Jesus is giving and and probably one of the most important teachings that that he gives in Matthew. Uh, But he speaks specifically on prayer, but he speaks to a group of people who would have understood the importance of prayer. It was a primarily Jewish audience, and in the Old Testament and in the Jewish books, specifically books of the law and the prophets, there was often prayer or petition before God. So the people listening to Jesus in this moment that we're going to read, they had context for prayer. Uh, Many times it was reverent prayer, or maybe they would offer sacrifice or petition, or maybe uh, they, they would be praying for deliverance from an army or all kinds of things would happen as a nation. And so Jesus is teaching them about prayer, not to say, now you should pray, because they, they kind of understand prayer, but saying, when you pray, how ought it to be, and what does it mean now that I'm here? Right? Everything that Jesus is teaching, whether it's giving or prayer or relationships, is in the context of like, the kingdom is near, it's here, it's me, I'm here. What do we do now? And so he's reframing their perspective on prayer. So I want to encourage you that if people who walked faithfully with Jesus needed a moment to reframe their perspective on prayer, to not feel guilty, if you too who are walking with Jesus need just could take a moment and reframe your perspective on prayer a little bit this morning. And here's what he teaches them. Again, remember he's teaching to a Jewish people who for centuries had had a, a formulaic and let's say a somewhat distant relationship from God. Not that they couldn't pray to him, but they had a high priest that would go into the temple, into the presence of God, and that was seen as the great intercessor for the people. It's not that they couldn't cry out to God. We see lots of examples of that. But nationally, the idea of prayer exists in a, in a bigger, more distant, more religious, more ritual sense. So here's what he said. You ready? Matthew, oh, are you ready? Are you ready? Okay. <laughs> ready? Okay. I get it. It's early. I feel you. It's like I've, I ride that fine line in coffee before I come and preach where it's like, do I go enough that I'm awake, but not too much that I'm tripping out up here? Um, so I feel you. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7. Let's read it. It says, and when you pray, when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. For they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Do not be like them. For your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. It says, pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love this teaching. We'll stop there. I love this teaching from Jesus because he's giving a model of prayer. He's not saying literally every day pray this. He's saying pray then like this or in this fashion. So pray like this, right? And I think if Jesus, our Lord and Savior, says, hey, we should pray like this, it's probably a good Example, right? If he's saying, you should do this, it's like, okay, that makes sense. He's not necessarily describing like every day you have to pray for daily bread, but he's teaching. He's a teacher and he's showing and revealing how do we pray. And there's some things in here. There's adoration, right? Our Father in heaven, adoration. There's thanksgiving where we're recognizing his will, right? Your will, your kingdom. Aren't we thankful that this is about God's kingdom and God's will and not ours? 
I mean, maybe if you're kind of semi-prideful, you'd be like, well, I like my will. Yeah, but imagine if it was someone else's will it was up to. You're like, oh, immediately I'm out. Immediately no, right? My kids will be done. Hard pass, right? Hard pass, right? I don't know what the will of a four-year-old, four-year-old is, but it only aspires to chaos, Right, I was just talking, uh, we were with some friends from, from the church, we were at their house talking about the difference between boys and girls. If you don't believe there's a difference, you're crazy because there is totally different. I, I have three and I'm and it, it, it's crazy to see like my daughter and their daughter, like, you know, just scenarios of friendship and love. And then the boys just hitting things with sticks and throwing rocks, right? It's just like, it's built into them. It's like rock throw, good, good rock throw rock now and the girls are like what if we were princesses right so they have very different wills but i'm thankful that it's god's will that that we're going that we're uh, we're seeking in prayer and then confession right forgive us our debts that's part of it right forgive us of our sins of our debts as we forgive those who as um we forgive those you know who have harmed us who, have, who are in, we are you know in a debt a deficit with then there's supplication, right? Lead us, guide us, not just me, us, right? It's corporate. Lead us, guide us, right? We pray together. This is how you should pray. It's not, Lord, give me, it's give us. It's coming before in supplication. And, and that was kind of one of the ways I was taught to pray. I don't know if you've ever seen uh, the ACTS kind of acronym. I think we have a slide of it the ACTS acronym, right? ACTS is a way they've, they've you know, if you went to like, uh, kids church or like youth camp you might have, you might have learned this but it's like adoration confessions thanksgiving supplication so we praise you god right we confess our sins before you we thank you for who you are and your will and what you do and we come before you with our needs uh, seeking you because we know that you're good so jesus begins to teach prayer to his disciples and and there's other types of prayers right there's petitioning for the blessings of redemption like forgiveness of sins right if you're a believer you have hopefully prayed for the forgiveness of your sins amen right sanctification or like strength to fulfill uh our, our christian duties right that there there are different types of prayer and you could go even farther and say that stillness is prayer i think the older i get and the more children i have stillness becomes a way more important part of my prayer than i realized right just being still before the Lord. Silence. Again, same context. So there's many ways to pray, but Jesus is teaching his disciples to pray because it's implied and, and expressed, I guess, truly, that it is important to pray. How many of you know it is important to pray? Amen? It's important to pray. In fact, I love this quote. It says this, Prayer is regarded throughout Scripture as a fundamental means of religious expression. This is because praying to God assumes in faith that he is powerfully willing and also graciously able to hear and respond to the prayers of his people. Did you hear that? He's powerfully willing and also graciously able to hear and respond to the prayers of his people. And further, that he chooses to work in and through these prayers. Thus, prayer is seen all through scripture as both a wonderful privilege and also a solemn responsibility for God's people, right? This is what scripture teaches us. This is our foundation. When we pray, God listens. Some of you, that might be an elementary thing, but I'm speaking to everybody here today. So whether you've been in church for 100 years or now 10 minutes, you need to know that when we pray, scripture says, when we pray, God listens. 
Psalm 66, verse 19, David says, But truly God has listened. He has attended to the voice of my prayer. Blessed be God, because he's not rejected my prayer or removed his steadfast love from me. 1 John 5, 14 says, This is the confidence that we have towards him. Who's him? The Lord. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Did you catch that? That God hears, Old Testament, New Testament, God hears your prayers. When you pray, God hears you. Some of you are unsure, so we'll keep going. Scripture also, tell, also tells us that God answers prayers. Right? Same thing in 1 John 5, verse 15. He says, you know, we know that if that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked of him. We don't always know why, right? Raise your hand if you know exactly why God answers prayers all the time. Exactly. Put your hand down. <laughs> it's in his will. That's, that's what we know. We don't always know why. Most importantly, we don't usually get hung up on why he does answer. Usually we get hung up on why he doesn't answer the way we want. Right? No one is going around complaining that they don't know why he does answer. Why does he answer us, right? Why, do, why does the God of the universe who created the universe care enough when I go, God, I need my car to start and it does. Why does he care enough about that? Surely he could give me a lesson in patience right there, right? But he does. But he also doesn't. And those ones are harder. And I think it's okay. As a church, we have to be okay with the pain and the messiness and the difficulty of when we don't understand why he didn't answer. And that's why we need community because we have to walk through when we don't know why he didn't answer the way we wanted him to answer, right? So this is why scripture also tells us not only that God hears us and God answers us, but scripture tells us to pray often. See, if we have a God who hears, we have a God who answers. Scripture says, then pray continuously. 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Romans 12, famously, rejoice in hope, be patient in suffering, and be consistent in prayer. And there's been a lot of great spiritual fathers and practices, right? Richard Foster has a, a spiritual disciplines. We just did a book in my men's group um, by James Bryan Smith called The Good and Beautiful Life that has practices about prayer. Uh, Brother Lawrence, famously in the history of the church, inspired integrating prayer into every part of your life and teaching these practices. But here's what I think is so interesting. With all of that knowledge and many of us might agree if you've been in church for our like yes prayer yes it's good yes it's neat yes god i'm sure he hears me can we just be honest that it can still be hard to pray like could we be that honest just together and say yes i understand pastor what you're saying but man it can be hard to pray maybe that's too personal so i'll just share my experience okay i don't want to indict anybody in my own personal life, I was really reflecting on this, that I've had seasons of intensity in prayer. Have you ever had a season of just like intense prayer? 
where you would go into that place with God and you would pray and you would, man, there was just, you were having a moment with the Lord. There was an intimacy there. There was a vibrancy of your prayer life. You would experience things. He'd speak to you. It's like every moment you, you were engaging deeper into that place and you would come away like renewed. You'd come away on fire. You'd come away sustained. Nobody had to tell you to go back in prayer. You were like waiting to go back into a time specifically designated with prayer so much so that every moment you'd be praying and on fire but what happens is sometimes seasons begin to change and as seasons begin to change I, I begin to feel where I was feeling vibrant intimacy I was beginning to feel melancholy anybody wanting to make me not feel alone in that amen right I began to feel like not that anything was wrong I didn't feel like God hated me, but I just wasn't sure where we were at relationally. Like, how are we doing, God? Like, I, I, I didn't feel that same sense of a vibrant prayer life. I had the, the, the motion, I had the ritual, I, but the experience started to change. That, that relationship was missing somehow. You ever felt that season? Where it's like you were in prayer, you were on fire, but all of a sudden it feels dry, like you're in the wilderness, you're in the desert. It feels difficult. Like you don't want to tell people because they're going to try to fix it for you, but you just feel bland in prayer. Like you should pray more. You're like, that's my problem. I don't even want to do that. I, I, I don't want to come into worship. I'm not feeling it, right? And, and people will say, it's not about, and they'll make you feel bad, but it's like, but listen, I'm just not feeling it. I think a lot of people have been in that place. So for me, I went to the logical place that I go as a human being, which is me, <laughs> right? Because if you're like me and you're a hard self-critiquer, when something's wrong, what do you do? Critique yourself, right? Some of you are like, I feel seen right now in my experience, right? What am I not doing or what am I doing that is not getting the same energy in prayer? It's not getting the same response in prayer. It's not getting the same experience in prayer. Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about, right? What am I not doing? Self-critiquers, you know, I, I'm, not, I'm trying not to look at anybody. I'm just like one eye glazing over the top so I don't have a meeting later today. But you know what I'm talking about. I'm just going to stare at the floor. So you, this is Jesus, don't, not, not me, just, okay. We begin to say, God, what's wrong with me? I don't feel it like I used to. Man, when I was in young adult ministry, I felt it. Man, when I was on that trip, man, when I was at that place, man, when I was in that season, man, I, I felt it, but I don't feel it. What am I not doing? But here was the problem. The very thing I was asking was the very problem I had. I, I had begun to make prayer about me and my ritual, which is hard for me because I'm naturally a traditionalist. I know looking at me, you would think I was a hippie because I have hand tattoos and I'm shooting for Jesus hair by 2024. But I'm a very traditional person. Like if you were, if you think in your mind, I wonder if Josh is going to think this way, vote this way, feel this way. And you said, it's very traditional. I would say, I would just know yes is the answer. And the answer is yes. That's who I am. I don't need to tell you, but now you know that but the hard part is when you're a traditional person, you love ritual, rhythm, history. You love those things, right? You love that experience. And so what I found is that I had made my prayer all about what I was experiencing. And in doing so, I had missed a key foundation of that intimacy. And so 
when my human side of feeling began to change, I assumed that there was something wrong about engaging in prayer and engaging in that time, right? And feelings are good, experiences are good, but they're not foundational. Feelings are real, experience is real, but they're not foundational. See, prayer is so much more than ritual. And so if you are feeling maybe in that season, or maybe you're not in that season, but you know that there will be those times, or maybe right now you're in that, you know, what's called the dark night of the soul, just a time of difficulty internally. I want to encourage you. I want to give you some advice on how we can reframe prayer in our life to begin to connect deeper with the Lord and not as deep in, in judging it by necessarily what we're seeing, how we're feeling, and what we're experiencing. Is that okay? Can we do that? Okay, let's, let's jump back to Matthew 6. Jump back with me again, because I want to read that one more time. As, it, as it's framing our perspective, given what I just said, here's what, here's what Matthew 6, 7 says. And when you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Did you get that? Don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they'll be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. For your father knows what you need before you ask him. So pray then like this, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we've also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. I love this. Jesus says, don't say a lot of words like the Gentiles do. Why? Because he's talking about pagan religions, right? Empty phrases to empty gods. I don't know if you have ever heard the story of Elijah, but famously, Elijah's on the top of a mountain, and it's God versus Baal, the false god. And the prophets of Baal are like screaming out for hours and hours and hours and hours and cutting themselves and just crazy pagan rituals, trying to get their god to turn his face and to look at them. And then... Elijah walks up and is like, God, listen, these guys are awful. You need to show up and burn this thing down. And he's like, got it. Right? It's awesome. It's so awesome. Right? There's a sense in pagan rituals still persisting to this day where the goal is to seek the attention of a deity. So what Jesus is not saying, he's not, he's not attacking Christians for praying a lot. I've seen this wielded of like, well, Jesus says not to use a lot of words in prayer. And that gal, she prays a lot. And that's what Jesus, no, that's not what he's saying. Praise the Lord for people who love to pray. Amen? Amen. And if it bothers you, I don't know what to tell you. Like some people just love to pray. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, we'll try to keep it short for you. Uh, sorry. But he's not talking about believers. What is he talking about? He's talking about this idea of trying to get attention from God. He's not talking about repeating yourself in a song. Don't sing songs that repeat, pastor. It's just too much. The Bible says you're just throwing words like the Gentiles. It's like, then you're going to hate heaven. We're for an eternity. We're going to gather around and only sing one word. Holy, 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 holy. That's going to blow your mind. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe call in sick. I don't know. Whatever you want to do. But what is he saying? He's saying, listen, prayer is more than a ritual to gain the attention of a distant God. See, I think that that's easy to agree with. Yeah, it's more than a distant ritual to gain the attention of a distant God, right? But let's be honest. How many times do we pray trying to get God's attention? Come on, we've prayed that. God, I hope you're listening. God, if you're up there, up where? Up in the heavens. So God, God's not in the clouds. 
He's not floating around like some Air Force space program just listening to you on your iPhone, right? It's like, I hope, he's, I hope that satellite's in turn to me today, but you know, there's a lot going on in Pakistan. He might be busy, right? We're not trying to get God's attention in prayer. Are you with me this morning? We aren't throwing up the bat signal when we pray, like, let's toss it out and hope he sees it in the clouds. Hopefully it's not a clear night and Batman never shows up and we all die. We're sending this moment. We're not signaling to God saying, I hope that you hear me. That's what Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, saying don't toss out phrases hoping to get his attention. Instead, your father knows your request. Why? Because he's near you. I've heard James misused uh, James 4.8, but I want to use it in the correct context here. James 4.8 says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. It says, cleanse your hands. It's going to be heavy, but stay with me. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourself before the Lord and he will exalt you. It's very intense, right? James is quoting Jeremiah. It's a good verse, intense verse, but good verse. But this verse is not about non-believers. This is about uh, God and his interaction with us as those who would turn towards him or away from him. See, this isn't about God running from us as we begin to sin. You know, it's like when you had that one friend who get that crazy look in his eye and you'd be like, you know what? I'm going to go home. I'm going home. I hung out with this kid. He was awesome, really good friend. I mean, he's a wild, wild Russian kid. And he would get this look in his eye and I would know that look and I'd go home. I'd be like, nothing good will come of this. That is not, sometimes I feel like we feel God has done that. Well, you know, he saw me mess up on Tuesday at that work meeting and he left. But it's more like this. If you've ever read the prodigal son, God is a loving father who is waiting for us to turn so that we might be embraced. It's us who turn from or towards him. It's him who is near, waiting for us to turn near so that he can embrace. See, God is not far from him, far from us. You only need to turn to him. So we're not calling out, hoping that he hears us. He's near, he's near to us. That's why when he sends his son, his name is Emmanuel. Does anyone know what Emmanuel means? God with us. Yeah, 18 Bible points for the front row. It means God with us. He named him, right? I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm not far from you. I'm with you. I'm not distant. I'm not far. I'm with you. I'm with you. Jesus came to be with us. And so we have access to God. How do we have access to God? Through grace. Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It's the gift of God. Not as a result of work so that no one may boast. Let me give you just, let me clear your mind. If you've been trying to figure out how to get near God, let me tell you right now, your access to God is based on his grace, not your works. You have access to God because he loves you. Because he gave his son who gave his life for you. Take a deep breath. Honestly, just, that's right. That's right. Prayer is not dependent on me. God has given me access to him because of his grace. There is no bat signal that you have to raise. In fact, the only signal, the only banner that was raised up to deliver you from your death 
was the cry that went up by Jesus Christ on the cross when he was raised up. That is the signal and the standard that was raised and invites us all under. God, uh, I mean, think about this. God turned from Jesus in that moment, right? And let him take the suffering and the wrath of the world so that in every moment of your life, you might be confident he will never turn from you. That he will always be near you because of the blood of Jesus. He will always be near you in his presence. And this is this access we have. So how do we cultivate them? We have this vibrant access to God, but we, we struggle sometimes as human beings to, to operate in that without being maybe ritualistic. Again, not that tradition's bad, but we, we, we struggle in the seasons as they're dry or, or we feel like alive or on fire, whatever you want to terminology. How do, we, how do we cultivate that? I'm gonna give you three things real quick, okay? The first thing is we pray in response to God. Somebody say response. We pray in response to God. When we pray, we're responding to God, not grabbing his attention, right? When I said, someone say response, and you responded, I said something first and invited a response, right? If you casually, before I got to this point, yelled the word response at me, that would have been odd. Like, I was at like early intro, and you knew, and you're just like, response! It wouldn't have made sense, right? It made sense because I'm sharing something and you're responding, right? See, prayer is a response of a loving God who's already had the first word. He's already sent his son. He's already reached out to you that you would receive salvation and new life. He's already done that. It's already completed. He had the first word. I love uh, Eugene Peterson calls prayer the second word. I want to read you a quote that he wrote. He's way smarter than me. Uh, said, prayer is never the first word. It's always the second word. God has the first word. Prayer is answering speech. It's not primarily address, but response. Essential to the practice of prayer is to fully realize this secondary quality. This is fundamental to all our lives as believers. Did you know this? Our whole life as believers is response to God. Your life as believers is not response to the worship team. It's not response to me. It's a response to God. God loved first. God spoke first. God commanded first. He went first. He came here on earth first to die for you first. Right? Romans 5, 8. God showed his love for us in that while we were still sinners. Did you see that? While. Like before we chose, he chose us. While we were still sinners, he died for us. He went first, which means everything we do in this life is a response to God. So is prayer. So we don't enter prayer as initiators, but responders. We don't carry the weight of seeking divine attention. We don't carry the weight of like, really want to make this prayer meeting good. Really want to make this prayer time emotional. Right? We're just responding. Really want to, really, I, I need to save the world. I need to save the earth. I need to fix this. I need to add this. I need to make this. It's like God has already done it. The Father's love has already been poured out. And so what's amazing is when we enter prayer, we're just like, God, I'm responding to you. I'm responding to what you've already done. And then trusting that the same spirit that allows us to call him Father will be engaged in our responding. Let me read you Galatians 4, 4 says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. Amen? And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son 
into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So the first thing is that we pray in response to God. The second thing is we begin to re-cultivate uh, uh, prayer in our life and reshape our understanding of prayer is that not only do we uh, pray in response, but we pray with the Spirit. This can be a wild thought, but you're about to get a Trinitarian like approach to prayer. The Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. We pray with the Spirit. Yes, you, we pray with the Spirit. As believers, we've been given the Spirit as our advocate and our counselor. John 14, 16, Jesus promised, he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. Don't you like that term advocate? You know, it's a legal term. Someone's going to plead your case who's going to advocate for you. I love this. I, I just, I want you, if you can, to follow me. I know I'm trying to go quick with some deep theology of the Trinity, but can, you, can we stay together for just like two minutes here? Okay. I ask because I know you guys can, because I know you and I love you. I know you're hungry for the word of God. The Holy Spirit is God's way of being with us, working with us, and speaking to us. And so prayer is the primary way that the church participates in the presence, the working, and speaking of God. And so that means that prayer is how we are engaged in the presence, actively engaged in the presence of a God who is working and moving and operating in the Holy Spirit. And this is a freeing thought because it means that prayer and the success, so to speak, of our prayers and the vitality of our prayers is not contained solely in the words of our prayers or the posture of our prayers. They don't live or die in us having the right words. Have you ever been a group of people and they were praying great words and you were like, I did not come fully loaded to this prayer meeting, right? Like they came, they're rocking, they're bringing the big guns and I'm over here like, good God, you know, good eats, let's eat, or I don't know, whatever the prayer is. You can, I wasn't even prepared for that, right? Oftentimes we can live in that space, but with the Holy Spirit, something's different because prayer is about being attentive to the presence of God and the presence of a God who is already working, speaking, and moving in our lives. So much so that the Spirit is constantly interceding in our prayers. If you're afraid to pray, let me give you the best verse for you. You ready? Romans 8, 26. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. I love that. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the, the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. Here's what Paul is saying. The Holy Spirit intercedes for your prayers so that they would come into alignment with the will of God. The Holy Spirit knows what you need to be praying even when you don't. And you're like, ah, 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 and he's like, I got it from here. Right? right? Or you're just like, oh my gosh, this job. And he's like, I got it. Yep, 100%. I know the will of God. Right? Because 
the spirit knows the mind of God. We don't know. The spirit knows. So the spirit knows what your prayers are to be brought before God. And he knows the will of God. And so the spirit intercedes on our behalf. This is the part of the spirit I think we miss. We love the part that's like lay hands and healing, the prophecy, sha-da-da-da, uh, you know, like tongues, whatever. But this is actually, I think, a crucial, crucial, crucial part to that, which is when you pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for your prayers. That should give you a lot of confidence to pray because it's like, He's got it. He's got it. He's interceding. That brings me a lot of comfort. It's not about how I feel in prayer. Because even if I'm not feeling it and I'm just sitting there still and maybe I'm, I'm giving a few words to the Lord, I'm just in his presence, the Holy Spirit's like, hey man, I got this. And he's perfect. And he's good. And he does not change. And when we read in Revelations 5, we read that the prayers of the saints are brought before God as incense. So somewhere between me be going like, oh my gosh, my kids. And like the throne room of like, oh, incense before the Lord. There was a work done. Amen. There's somewhere between you going, oh my gosh, this car, I can't even. And then like aroma of the elders before the throne and the cherubim and the seraphim. There was a work there. What was that work? That's the Holy Spirit. Some of you can start showing up to prayer meetings now. <laughs> you just lost a little fear. Some of you can pray where you're at right now. Why? Because it's not about the right words. It's about the Spirit. Whatever, however you're praying today, the Spirit's interceding. It's not about what you feel in that prayer time. I didn't feel a deep connection. Don't worry, he's got it. I didn't really experience anything. I didn't get a word this time, or I'm just really struggling. Man, did you go into prayer with him? Yeah, but I didn't really feel it. Listen, do you trust that the Holy Spirit is actively doing what the word of God says? Yes, then be at peace, brother. Be at peace, sister. And know that he's interceding. But not only that, let me give you one more. Pray in the name of Jesus. See, the Spirit is active in our prayer. And it says again that Jesus is our mediator who actually also intercedes from us. Look at this. The Trinity cares about your life. It's pretty cool. I love the book of Hebrews. Um, sometimes people say, hey, where should I start in the Bible? Uh, it's been a while. If it's not like brand new, but it's been a while. I, I send them to Hebrews. I love the summation of what God does that's present in Hebrews. In the Old Testament, the priest would go into the temple because that's where the presence of God was. And there was a high priest who would go in and intercede for the sins of the people. But Jesus on the cross and, and the resurrection becomes the high priest for us. So in Hebrews 7, 24, it says, because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. He's now the high priest. Therefore, he's able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them. Okay, we're going deep into the Word of God. We're not just going surface Pentecostal scriptures here, okay? <laughs> Jesus offered the sacrifice for us once and for all, but he continues to mediate on our behalf as he sits at the right hand of God. That means, think about this, in a heavenly sense, he who is, who is God and is sitting at the right hand of God is mediating and advocating for you. That the Holy Spirit is advocating for your prayers and Jesus at the right hand of God is also mediating on our behalf. Like you have a good legal team, scripturally. That, that, that the Holy Spirit and that the Son are engaging in this process together. And just as, as the pre priest would offer prayer and intercession for the people, so does Christ. And that all of our prayers, they're wrapped in this continued intercession of Jesus. 
Again, I'm not saying this to make things complicated, but to give you confidence, because you can't control what that is. I'm not giving you to say, like, pray specifically to Jesus on these four days that he mediates on your behalf and send these prayers. No, I'm just saying know in your heart that he loves you. And that when you're not feeling it, when you're struggling or when you're like, God, I, I don't know, when you're uncertain, that there is, he sits at the right hand of God and mediates on your behalf and intercedes on your behalf. And this is why our, our prayers as Christians, they're not based on special words, right? We don't have incantations that would turn a distant God towards us. Like if we say a certain phrase in Latin, then right, he's there. We, that's not real. What we have is the name of Jesus. I don't know if you ever heard of Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's one of my favorite writers. And uh, in, in Life Together, he shares this quote. He says, Christian prayer takes its stand on the solid, God, a solid ground of the revealed word and has nothing to do with vague, self-seeking vagaries. We pray on the basis of prayer of the true man, Jesus Christ. We can pray our right to God only in the name of Jesus. See, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we say in Jesus' name, we pray in the, in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, we acknowledge our faith and our prayers are fully and completely dependent on him. It's not on us. They're not built on us. Some of you need to hear your prayers are not built on you. Like, you know what? I had a hard day and that blew apart my prayer that I offered earlier. Jesus is not going to hear that because, you know, I yelled at somebody in traffic. And so now because I yelled, he's, just, he's not going to hear my prayer. He's not going to listen to me because I'm not enough and I don't do enough. Maybe if I did more, then, then, he, then he would know or I'll never do enough so he'll never listen. Listen, it's not about that. It's about who he is. He is Jesus. It's not about your feeling in prayer. It's not about your ritual of prayer. It's it's not even about your experience in prayer. Though experience is great, it is about the Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Changes something in our life. When we begin to say, We're, I'm responding to God. And I'm praying in the Spirit and trusting Him to intercede. And then I'm believing in my heart that Jesus is working on my behalf. It changes something in us. And you might say real quick, Okay, then what do I pray? Right? You ever been stuck and you're like, where do I even start? Let me, give you, let me give you a way to start. Maybe just to help bump you in the right direction here. Pray the word. Because the word of God is so good at reminding you who's in control. That God is on the throne. That Jesus is the right hand of God. Right? And that the Holy Spirit is with you right now interceding on your behalf. And we trust, okay, if the Spirit gives words to our groans and Christ will intercede, then I should just, you know, pray. But I've found that when you go into that place of just pray, it's not always easy, right? You're like, what do I say? Especially if you're new to prayer, like, what do I say? I got to have like a list of things I can say to God. And I would say, say anything. And to some of you, you're like, yep, got it. That's what I need. I'll go do that. And some of you are like, that, I'm having a mild panic attack right now. So I say, pray the word as a way to initiate this understanding because it begins to help you pray with confidence. So for example, pray Psalm 23. In fact, man, you guys can come up. Pray Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a great way just to begin to pray through the Psalms, begin to pray the word of God, because then it begins to offer a foundation of your prayers where you realize it's not about the requests I bring. It's not about the emotion or the passion I bring. It's not about the attitude I bring. What it's about is responding to God and who he is. See, it's less about what you bring 
and more about time in God's presence through the Holy Spirit. You still with me? It's less about requests or needs. It's more about relationship. It's less about the right words, and it's more about intimacy. It's less about feeling, and it's more about truth as the foundation. It's less about experience, and it's more about responding to God. See, when we're struggling, let me just give you hope here for a second at the end. When we're struggling to recognize God's presence, church, let me just say this. It's okay. I know that's probably not what you'd expect me to hear, hear me say as a pastor, because we're passionate for the presence. But just hear me. When we're struggling to recognize God's presence, it's okay, because we're always connected by the Spirit to Jesus and his ongoing ministry of prayer. Just because you are not you're not feeling it the same, or you're not recognizing the same, doesn't mean that you've like been set adrift in this life without his presence. We can be confident because we're always connected by the Spirit to Jesus' ongoing ministry of prayer. When we aren't feeling it, or when prayer doesn't deliver the experience like we want or are used to, we can take heart knowing that our union with Christ is secure. When we hurt or suffer or grieve and we find it difficult to pray, we can be at peace in the truth that the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ will intercede on our behalf that when we're weeping, that the Holy Spirit brings those prayers before the Lord, intercedes even in our groaning, even in our suffering, even in our pain, that he does not leave us. He's not waiting for us to get the right words or to do the right ritual or to read this at this time and do this diva with the thing. He is interceding on our behalf. You're like, why? What would possess him to do that? Because he loves you and he has been doing that. That's been his work from the beginning. When we go through dry seasons, we go through tough places, we go through the dark night of the soul, we can remember that what we experience in prayer is not foundational. Christ is the foundation. The Holy Spirit is our advocate. God is our loving Father. And we need only come and respond to Him. And we begin to walk in the goodness of who He is. Would you do this with me? Would you stand this morning? And as we do, Holy Spirit, we just invite you into this moment right here. We thank you that you're here with us. I thank you that you're here right now. And in fact, God, even right now, we seek to listen, not to manufacture. We seek to respond, not to push, but to simply come before you and to know that you're good and to trust in you, and to trust in you in our life. God, some of us here today, we need to trust in you like never before. There's things going on, we need to trust. Some of us here today, there's a dryness, there's a weariness. It's not that we sense maybe that you're distant, but we, we're not sure if you're near. We're not feeling it the same. And we prayed the prayer, God, ignite a passion. But maybe it isn't about a fire starting. Maybe it's just simply about responding in your presence. Maybe it's about embracing you. Maybe it's about like the prodigal turning and just coming to you and saying, I love you. Whatever you have, that's what I want. Today, I want to I respond and I'm going to invite our prayer team. They're going to, if you guys would just come up, even right now, you can be in the front. We have them kind of face out. We're going to respond in prayer today. I believe that the Lord wants to minister. I try to be very specific in altar calls, maybe not so much today. 
I just believe that there's a work that God wants to do in your life. That if you've been in a season, maybe even of dryness, or you're just longing for that, there's been a sense of maybe even tension, but you're like, today, God, I, I just want to respond to you. I want, there's a confidence in my prayer that goes beyond experience that I'm longing for. It goes beyond what I'm feeling, and it goes into your presence. Some of you, you're just like, I, I need that. I need that renewal. I need that renewal of the Lord. Some of you, you're just saying, you know what? It's been hard for me to pray, and I just want to practice that. You know, that's what we do here. Some people say, Sunday's the Super Bowl. We don't say that. This is where we practice together. If you want to pray the Word of God, this is where you do it right here. Did you know that? In just a moment when the band leads us, open your Bible, go to Psalm 23, begin to pray the Word. This is where you pray with somebody. Some of you got stuff in your life you need prayer for, and you need to break the Western model of, of being stuck in your seat to just come down and be in relationship with someone and God and just pray together. And to remember that it's not about your words. And it's not even about the words of these awesome uh, volunteers up here in the front and our team members. It's about the Holy Spirit who's at work right here. So in fact, right now, would you just bow your heads with me? Let's just, let's just begin to respond to the Lord today. One of the ways let's do, let's just begin to thank Him. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your presence here right now. Wherever you are, just begin to thank Him. Holy Spirit, we thank you. Your presence is here. And God, for those who've been in the dry season, we thank you that even if they didn't feel like you were near, that you're near to them, God. To the person who maybe even feels forgotten today, God, you're near them right now. You hear them and you know them. To the person who isn't sure of the future or is living in worry, maybe worry over their children, God, there's a confidence in your presence right now we thank you for that we don't need to come in and have the answers. We just come in and respond to you. And God, I thank you for a church that loves to pray together. And so God, as we respond today in prayer, God, I pray your spirit would release in freedom over this place. God, whatever it is, if it's healing, if it's restoration, we pray it loosed and released in this place right now by your presence, by your move. We thank you, Holy Spirit. Here's what I'm gonna do right now in this posture prayer. I'm just releasing you right now. Anything you need prayer for right now, you need healing. Maybe you've been in a dry season. Some of you, you need to like run, not walk down. You've been in a dry season for restoration and someone's gonna pray with you right now. We're gonna believe, God, I'm approaching you different. I'm not coming with my feelings. I'm just pressing into you, knowing that you will restore, knowing that you will renew. I just release you right now. Anything right now you need prayer for, just come forward. I release you to come and to receive prayer as the band leads us in worship. Let's pray together right now. Thank you for listening to the Banner Church Podcast. We hope this message was impactful for you. Check the episode notes to visit our website, follow us on social media, and subscribe to our podcast. We'll see you again next week.